The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello again, Giants fans, and welcome back to the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. We're coming to you on Monday after the Giants' Week 13 victory over the Seattle Seahawks, biggest victory that the Giants have had in a number of years. And here to help us uh, break it all down is Patricia Trena of Giants Country and the uh, – Locked on Giants podcast. Patty, how you doing today? Doing well, Ed. Doing well. It's always a good day when you're coming off of a big win like the Giants did. So uh, looking forward to bringing it down. Biggest win in, uh, I can't remember, I can't remember when the Giants had a, had a win this big. There had to, I, there had to be a, I can't remember a specific one in 2016 that, that equals this one, but it's been, uh, it's been quite a while either way. Yes, it has, and you know it's 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 great. I mean, I I was afraid after a while I was going to forget how to cover a winning team, and you know now I it it all came back to me. So I'm I'm happy to report that that it's all coming back to me now. Oh geez, I think there's a song like that, Patty. Uh, I think there is. <laughs> I think there is actually. Oh hey, so let's let's start with this. You know, we've been in a lot of Zoom calls with Joe Judge. You know, for, for months and months on end now and, and early in the season, 0 and 5, then 1 and 7 and the losses mounted. And I have to admit, it gets, it, it was getting tiresome to hear Judge after every single loss, you know, turn everything to, I see progress. I see progress. You know, we're, we're losing games, but I see progress and, it, it was it was almost getting annoying, and yet you kind of knew in the back of your mind that that there was progress there, and, and but I don't think any of us saw this coming. I think we saw some wins coming the second half of the season, but not this. Um, you know, are, are you as surprised by this as I am? Well, I mean, if you're talking about this, the Giants being in first place. I mean, if you look at the NFC East in as a whole. Anything could go. I, I guess nothing should really surprise us. But with that said, 
I think you're right. I, I I didn't expect them to be on a on a four game winning streak. I didn't expect them to beat the Seahawks. I think if you would ask me at the start of the season if they would win or lose, I'd say they got they would get crushed. I mean, heck, I even said they would get crushed in my preview. So this has been a very pleasant development for the Giants. And uh Joe Judge, one thing, you know, I, I'm taking away from our calls with him is that he's honest, you know, without saying too much. Like sometimes he won't tell you everything, but he kind of leads you to the right path, if you will. And 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 I have yet to detect anything where he's just said something for the sake of, you know, it being coaches speak. And I and I respect that about him. No, and even though he'll say once in a while, he'll he'll come right out and say this sounds like coach speak. But uh but yeah, I I I get what you're saying there and 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 he's not interview wise, he's not what I thought he might be coming out of the uh, coming out of the Belichick tree. He does he does try to give you something to work with and he can be pretty funny sometimes when he wants to be. Oh, he's a delight. I actually find him very, very intelligent to speak with. Um, if you notice on the Zoom calls, he, he, he speaks very quickly, but if you ever get a chance, and I know, I think he, we all did back in May, we got an opportunity to talk with him one on one. He slows it down a little bit, you know, and, and he's very interesting, very intelligent. And if you listen to what he says, he does try to slip in little hints to help you. Uh, with with doing your job, and I like that. I like that he respects the fact that the media, even though you know we could be a little hard on on people in, in the New York sports scene, that that we have a job to do, and he makes the attempt to help us without compromising what he's trying to do. That's true, Patty. What I want to talk about right now, you know, as we look at this team, and this team's gotten. Over the last few weeks, they've gotten so many contributions from so many places that you would never have expected, you know, them to get contributions from, you know, so many of these guys like Jabal Sheard, you know, and, and who weren't even on the roster at the beginning of the season. And I go back to the coaching staff. I go back to, you know, Joe Judge talking about right at the very beginning when he was hired, talking about he wanted coaches who would be able to tell him, you know, don't tell me what players can't do. Tell me what they can do, you know, and and figure out how to use that. And, And I look at what the Giants have done, and I just give immense credit to this coaching staff, to to Jason Garrett on offense, to Patrick Graham on defense, and that has to extend, you know, to the position coaches for figuring out how to use a flawed roster on a bunch of guys that, that, that really don't have big NFL resumes. I mean, I, I'm just incredibly impressed by the work this coaching staff has done. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, I agree a hundred percent, Ed. I mean, how many times last year did we talk about coaching? You know, we would watch stuff go on and transpire on the field and we would say, ah, oh, if only they were better coached. And, you know, we even talked about it at, with, with uh, James Betcher, how, you know, he insisted on running his system and he didn't care if you fit into it or your skill set was the right match. He kind of went with what was close and where a coach really earns his money, in my opinion, is A, he adapts to what he's got. 
and B, he doesn't give up on what he's got planned. And a good example of that was came in, in Sunday's game. The Giants' running game was not working in the first half, certainly not the way they wanted it to. And you wonder if that had been another coaching staff, would they have said, you know what, screw it. Let's just come out and throw the ball and, you know, because we're behind and we'll throw the ball in the second half. No, not this coaching staff. They sat down. They figured out what could they do to fix it. They made an adjustment. And guess what? It worked in the second half. So they didn't give up what they were doing. And it helped them win the game. Yeah, you know, they came out in the second half and, and they, they, they continued to run the ball. They ran it a little bit differently. And, and, you know, everybody talks so much about Patrick Graham and justifiably so. And we'll get to him in a minute, but I think that, that this comes back to the work that Jason Garrett has done. And I think that Garrett hasn't gotten enough credit with this offense. I mean, obviously, you know, people still have that, oh, he was the Dallas coach thing. And, and, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big sexy hire to make him the, the offensive coordinator, but he has done a really good job. And I, I, I go back to, I think Colt McCoy saying after the game on Sunday, it wasn't really our plan to, to run with so many tight ends on the field and to run so many big packages and, and to stay with it that the way that they did. He said, but, but we realized right away that it worked and, and we just, you know, we just kept going with it. And, and that, you know, that's the ability to adjust, the ability to think on the fly, the ability to change as, as the season goes along. And, I, I give Garrett a lot of credit for figuring out how to make this offense work. Yeah, I, I do too, and that's that's what I'm talking about. Most coaches would just kind of throw their hands up and say, okay, well, you know what, I don't have a plan B. And you know what that reminds me of, Ed, and I'm sure you'll, re- you'll remember this because, like like me, you're, you're of that age bracket. Bill Belichick, when he was with the Giants, he used to do that at halftime. Like he would come up with a plan and draw it up right there on the sideline to, to help make an adjustment if his defense was having a problem. And that's what a good coach does. He, he, he thinks ahead. He's always four or five steps ahead of, you know, where he needs to be. And he has a plan A, B, C, D, and E. And, you know, this giant staff, you know, kudos to them because I don't think you can honestly say they've gotten out coached. I don't think you can honestly say that they've been caught with their, um, you know, backside sticking out, if you will. Uh, they've been on the mark and, and it's just been, it's been like, wow, we, we, we haven't seen this in, in years. No, we haven't. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's refreshing because you and I talked about it last year. As you said, we, we watched several games where we said the Giants are better than this. You know, this is a game they should be winning. You know, they're, they're losing this game because they're, they're being out coached or, or they didn't have a good enough plan or, or whatever that, you know, whatever the case was. It, it's, it's just refreshing, you know, and, and as we talked, we talked about Jason Garrett. Uh, we've got to talk about Patrick Graham a little bit. I mean, I will be the first one to admit that, that I was a little leery of the hire of Patrick Graham because I was a little bit leery of the situation with him leaving the Miami Dolphins and, and with Brian Flores basically, 
you know, being perfectly willing to let him go to the Giants for, you know, what was really a lateral move. It made you wonder, you know, with, with Graham's lack of experience as a coordinator and Flores, you know, I, I guess unwillingness to fight to keep him made you wonder, you know, just how good of a coordinator th- this guy would be. And, and now, now I'm wondering how long the Giants can keep this guy. <laughs> yeah, seriously, that's a good question. But, you know, two things about Graham in Miami. I think what appear, appeared most to, excuse me, appealed most to Joe Judge is Graham down in with the Dolphins pretty much did what he's doing with the Giants right now. And that is, if you remember, between trades and injuries, Graham had like a different cast literally every week. But yet the defense got better and better and better. So that was the appealing part. Now I was, I, I'm with you at first. I thought, well, why Graham of all people? Why him? And, you know, I think the Dolphins, they had no choice but to let him go because the Giants tacked on that assistant head coach title, um, to, which in essence made it, even though it's, it, it's a lateral step, it was technically a promotion. So I think that's what factored into the equation. But, Again, Graham has shown, as he did with Miami, that he can take a supporting cast. And it doesn't matter if it's an undrafted free agent, a guy from a small school, a first-round pick, whatever, and put it all together, mix it up, and come up with a gourmet meal. Very, very true. It just, uh, you know, I, I, I would have thought that, that in a way that, that Brian Flores would have, would have fought harder, but, but it, it is really amazing what, what the Giants have done defensively. You look at the number of different people that they've done it with, the number of edge rushers they've done it with, the, the revolving door that they had through a good chunk of the season at, at the second cornerback spot. The fact that, that they really have gotten nothing out of Xavier McKinney this year. And yet week after week, they have a good plan. They have schemes that allow them to get to the quarterback, you know, without a player who might be considered a, a dominant, you know, you absolutely have to double team this guy kind of pass rusher. And they don't make mistakes. They keep plays in front of them and they tackle the football. It's, it's impressive the, the discipline that they play with. And you know the thing I like about Graham, and and I'm sure you remember this from his call a couple weeks ago, how we got all emotional when he was talking. It was right before the Eagles game, the second Eagles game, and how he talked about when he was sitting on the the bench after the first one, and how he felt like he had let his guys down. That's what you want to see in a coach. I mean, no ego attached. It's like okay, when the players do well, that's on them. When they don't, that's on me. And what a refreshing sight to, and, and, and a refreshing like attitude to see because, you know, in this NFL, you, you've got people who are ego driven and I don't have to mention names. I think you know who some of the people are I'm talking about where they would throw players under the bus whenever they lost, but when they won, they were right there to take the credit. And it just, it, that whole act got tiresome. And I think that's another big reason why these players stay bought into what is going on, regardless if the record is, is, you know, eight and three or, or, or three and eight. I think, I think it was Leonard Williams who brought this up uh, on a Zoom call last night. 
he was talking about how going way back to the beginning, going way back to training camp, how some of the players were, were grumbling, you know, to each other a little bit and talking about how hard this was and how hard Joe Judge and his coaching staff were driving them. And yet the thing was, is it's what you're talking about. They could tell that the coaching staff was invested just the way, you know, just as much as they were asking these players to be invested. And I think that's really what helped the buy-in. They could tell that these guys were sincere and that they cared because, you know, Joe Judge has pulled no punches that, that he and his coaching staff have been driving this group hard. And, and if you're going to do that, they better believe that you have your that that you have your their backs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, this team we know what they what Joe Judge inherited. So for any player to to expect that it would be a cakewalk, I mean, I'm sorry, that just wasn't going to happen. But you're absolutely right. The fact that Judge is willing to, you know, take it as much as he dishes it out, you know, and and we, and we've seen examples of it, the slip slide drill, um, the bet that he lost with Evan Ingram, you know, little things like that. And then, you know, just showing that, hey, I'm not just asking you to do stuff while I sit in an ivory tower. You know, they practice in the pouring rain and all the coaches are out there. You know, they're not sitting indoors or, or watching from a window. These are all things. It's it's an all for one, one for all type of attitude. And And you're right. When you see your manager or those who are in authority above you, invested in the same way as you that makes it a lot easier and a lot more fun to come to work all right patty i want to take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors at sb nation when we come back a couple of other topics i want to hit with you as we look forward to the to the last quarter of the of the season for the giants Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Giants fans, back here on the Valentine's Views podcast. Ed Valentine with you, talking with Patricia Trena about the uh, the Giants' four-game winning streak, Sunday's victory over the Seattle Seahawks, and also about what uh, about what's to come here uh, for the Giants. Patty, I'm going to talk a little bit about the about the remaining schedule, but before we do that. You know, we've been talking about this Giants team and, and and the discipline they play with, and and the all the different guys that that they get contributions from. I mean, Nico Lalos is turning out to be a heck of a story, but there were two or three plays in the game on Sunday that I thought really, really typified you know what this Giants team is, and 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 I re- kind of refer to them as as winning plays. One of them Joe Judge talked about you know, Monday Monday morning when we spoke to him via Zoom, and that was simply what happened on Colt McCoy's interception with basically he said everybody running to the football to try to make a play, make a tackle, you know, make sure that that didn't turn into a big return. 
The other, another one was James Bradbury fighting the stiff arm on Sunday from DK Metcalf, um, and, and making a tackle, you know, when a lot of guys could have gotten overpowered for a big gain. And the other one that I don't think has gotten much notice was when Russell Wilson fumbled the ball. If you watch the replay of that, as he reaches for it, you just watch Jabril Peppers swat his arm away so that that ball remained loose and, and, and the Giants continue to have a chance to recover it. It's, it's little things like that to me that typify this football team that, that it's, it's small things sometimes that make a difference. And I don't know how many of those things you noticed or if there were other plays that, that you might point to, but I'm just curious if you noticed those plays as much as I did on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. And what that tells me is the Giants are coming in. They've got that swagger. You know, they're respectful of the opponent, but when, when push comes to shove, their message to the opponent is, is we're here to, we're, we mean business. We're here to, you know, get something done and you're not going to get in our way. And that's you know, the and attitude that, you've got to have. That is the thing that I think I enjoyed most, Patty, about watching the way that the Giants played offense on Sunday. I mean, they walked into Seattle with a backup quarterback, a guy who hadn't won a game as a starter since 2014. And that kind of sounds worse than it is for Colt McCoy because he just hasn't had a lot of starts since 2014. But they, they walked in there facing an eight and three team in their own building and they basically hit Seattle in the mouth and, you know, and said, we think we're better than you are. You know, we're just going to run the ball down your throat. We're going to play defense. We're going to take away your main weapons on offense. And, and I was just, it, it's almost exhilarating to watch a team play that way. I was, I was impressed. I haven't seen a Giants football team play that way really probably since the Coughlin years. Right. And that's the, that's precisely the type of team that Joe Judge promised when he was hired. He said, look, I'm going to put together a team that that this area can be proud of. I'm going to put together a team that, you know, when we go out there, we're going to punch you in the mouth for 60 minutes. And he has delivered on his promise. And that's another reason to love what Judge is doing. Everything he has promised to do has come has come to fruition. Some stronger, some areas stronger than others, granted, but this man has delivered in what he he uh, has promised. And and you know, you think back to how you know when Ben McAdoo was hired and Pat Shermer were hi- was hired, and how they got up there and they talked about restoring pride and doing this and doing that. They didn't really have plans to get it done, which is why, in part, they failed. Judge came in, he had a plan, he had a direction, and by golly, he has stuck with that despite, you know, all the twists and turns that the schedule has had to take because of COVID. And I just think, you know, it's not going to happen, but if the Giants do hang on and win the NFC East, I could see Judge be getting serious consideration for, you know, coach of the year. I think he would be worthy of it if he gets this team and if they win the NFC East. Oh, I would agree, Patty. And let's, let's talk about winning the NFC East at this point. Quarter of the season remaining, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, Dallas left on the schedule. Maybe a while ago, I wouldn't have looked at, uh, 
at at least the next three games, you know, as really winnable for the Giants, but, but I probably see that differently now. Five and seven. What would, you know, look at the next four games and, and what would you be satisfied with over the next four games from the Giants? Is there a, a one loss record that you're looking at? Are you just looking for, you know, the, for the quality play to continue? What, what would satisfy you at the end of the season, you know, at this point? I think I would want to see number one, the level of compete remain consistent. The Giants, again, other than that week three game against the 49ers, haven't really been blown out in any game. And this is even when they were still trying to figure out who they were and what they did well. So that would be number one. As far as like a one loss total, I don't think they're going to win the rest of the games. They're going to go, you know, without a loss, but I would be happy if they could pull off a loss against Arizona and Cleveland. I could see them potentially losing to Baltimore, and if they don't beat Dallas in the regular season finale, then something is radically wrong because Dallas is just an absolute mess. Yeah, dumpster fire comes to mind, Patty, when you talk about Dallas. You said it, I didn't. <laughs> no, I did say it, but uh yeah, it, it's just, it's so interesting and it's so refreshing. We're in December, we're talking about meaningful Giants football we're we're talking about positives we're not talking about draft picks we're not talking about the head coach getting fired i don't know about you but i i'm enjoying this for a change i love it you know i sat down yet uh, over the weekend on saturday and i started to write something about the draft and then i had another idea for for a feature that was more for the present and I just said, you know what, I'll save all that for after it's all done. You know, like obviously I've started studying that stuff and whatnot, like I always do in late de- late December and whatnot. But um, yeah, it, this is great. I mean, now I'm looking at, okay, what are they doing well? Where are they taking the biggest jump? What do they still need to do? And I, I, and I don't know about you, Ed, but I find myself having even more questions for Joe Judge, you know, unfortunately, we don't always get to get called on to ask those questions, but um, I have more questions about why things are going right, whereas what's going wrong, you know, you can kind of look at the film and see what's going wrong. But the behind the scenes stuff on what's going right, that I find absolutely fascinating. Well, it gets tiresome. You know, coaches, nobody wants to to continue to be asked questions and continue to answer the same questions over and over and over when things are going wrong. It gets to a point where it's where it's tiresome, but there's there's more to talk about. There's more energy. There's more fun. And uh, and, and hopefully that'll continue for the next few weeks for the Giants. Yeah, fingers crossed. You know, I was I was saying to my husband, I said, gee, can you imagine if the Giants actually hold on and win the division? I said, there'll be a playoff game to go to. And he he just said to me, he goes, well, nothing's going to change. It's not like you're going to get into the locker room or anything. I says, yeah, but you don't understand. It'll be a playoff game potentially in January. I haven't done that since 2000. Uh, 2011, I don't count 2016 because that was on the road. I said, it's been a long time, dude. It'll be 10, <laughs> over 10 years. Oh, yes, it has. It's been, it's been quite a while, Patty. And, uh, with, with that said, I think that, uh, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up. We'll call it a show for today. 
Thank you very, very much for, for joining me, Patty. Always, uh, always like having you folks. Remember to check out Patty's work over at Giants Country. Check out her, her podcast at, at Locked On Giants. And, and please remember, uh, to, uh, to subscribe to, uh, Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. All right, Giants fans, stay safe and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.